I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science to the stuff that we are putting on our feet. We are... First, starting off today, again, just super thankful for the support that we've been getting um, and that we've seen some growth in even over just once we've started this podcast. We're on our 63rd episode today. Um, and in that time, people have been helping support just kind of in ways we've talked about before. Just by listening, obviously, is one big thing, uh, but subscribing and, and you know giving a review to the podcast helps grow uh, people's awareness of it. So that's always super helpful. And then we have had a number of people jump on as monthly supporters of the podcast through Anchor. Uh, there's a link for that in our bio about the podcast, but we just wanted to give a shout out to a couple of the people who have recently joined. And so Justin Tenkate, Chris Rinaldi, Dylan Smith, Peter Kirk, thank you guys for all jumping on and supporting what we're doing. Your monthly contributions, um, Again, we're going to have a full breakdown of how we use all of our finances here at Docs of Running, but this stuff specifically goes to help fund what we do with the podcast. I'm playing around with an updated mic today. We'll see if how, how that works that Matt sent over. So um, what you guys are doing allows us to take the time to try to improve the quality of the stuff that we're doing and gives us extra time to spend on the research side of things to learn more about the topics that we are digging into. So to you guys who just mentioned thank you to everyone else who's been supporting us. Thank you all as well. And it is just crazy to see the support that, that this community has has had with us. So it's been a lot of fun. Matt, you have anything you want to say? Yeah, it, the support is always appreciated. And it's, it's mind-blowing to recognize as people start to support us. And again, appreciate patience, by the way. I know we get a lot of emails. Uh, and sometimes it takes me a little bit to get back to everybody. But we appreciate that. And then the support in turn is amazing. I'd also love to give a shout out to all of our followers that ran the LA Marathon, the New York City Marathon, and the other marathons today. I'm seeing some great times coming in and some great finishes. So congrats, everyone. That is a major accomplishment to get through a marathon. Please make sure you recover from it appropriately. Get some good nutrition. Get some good rest. Take your time coming back. And congrats again. That's awesome. Yes. Actually, great point on the yeah. emails too. Um, just because we do want to get back to everybody and have this be a place that people can, you know, seek advice and questions and just have them answered. So please keep reaching out to us and thank you for your patience in the meantime. Today, Matt and I, it's just us two here on the round table. For those who are listening, you can't see that it's just two. David had, he raced today. So he we messaged him about, how'd your race go? And he kind of was wishy-washy about it, but he won the whole thing. Um, so he did awesome. <laughs> he was just upset because the course was like 200 meters long. So it wasn't, it wasn't the time that he wanted. Right. So right. it was, you know, still blazing fast, of course, but, yeah. and a win, which is awesome. But, you know, understandably from somebody who's competitive that he, he wants hundred percent. So and this was, was great. Congrats, David. That was awesome. Yeah. We're happy for him. And this is all part of his build towards CIM. So this is, this isn't yep. the end goal for him the end mm -hmm. race he's got more coming so pretty fun to watch him um and fun to follow new york city marathon today did you watch any of it matt or were you studying 
Uh, I was running and studying, so I was get. I'll get little bits of it and probably get it later. Uh, okay. But yeah, I was super excited to kind of see how things went. I was super curious to watch how Ben True did with the recent switch to ASICs. I wanted to see how they did. Sounds like he finished like seventh uh, or ninth. Yeah, I'll have it? to pull it up. It still top. I think it was top ten. So it was mm-hmm. great for a debut mm-hmm. marathon. But some also also some great people out there racing. Molly got fourth, which is awesome. Coming back from the Olympic trial or the Olympics, which is amazing. So. Yeah, just some great performances out there. Yeah, the top, some of the top female runners uh, for the U.S. are all from Wisconsin. So let's go, Woo. let's go, Wisco. Her and uh, Frisbee for or whatever Annie. So yeah, pretty awesome. I have a quick story before we go into what we're actually talking about today. I was out for a quick, just over lunch, a quick jog, and I was filming for work. And I there's a little bit of like single track trail near my work. And so I ran out and I was just taking out the audio six, uh, on a run and I went on the single track and I was just jogging, jogging, jogging. And I, all of a sudden I step and I hear a huge pop and I feel a big stick push up into my foot. And so for those who are looking, you can see there's a hole in the bottom of the shoe. The stick went clear through. Well, the, if you don't know the audio six, it has, kind of two different foams in it. Most of it is light strike, but then in the forefoot, there's a there's a full thickness stretches down to the bottom of light strike pro. And the the stick went clear through the light strike pro, just right through and thankfully stopped right at the sock liner because I like lifted my foot up, but I could have had a pretty gnarly puncture wound. And it made me just rethink when I just go run on those single track trails in just anything because that softer foam did not hold up. If I had a full rubber outsole, it would have been fine, but this was a pretty robust size stick that went straight through. And then like when I stopped running, I had a, like that stick had a T and the whole thing was attached to my foot. So it was just crazy, but I'm thankful that I don't have a puncture wound at all. And it didn't, didn't hurt, but that's my story. Um, and the upper Definitely. of the audios, definitely helps us rethink the whole point of rock plates i think as as nathan and i come from more of the road as we test out some trail stuff so i've got this guy or gal whatever gender you want to sign to the shoe here which was a little heavier but it's got a plate in the shoe and at first i was like why do you need and i think that story is like yes when you run on trails you have some additional things that can be hazards that it's good to have a rock plate in there sometimes um even on single track so now we understand Rock plate or even even just a full yeah. rubber coverage, you know, the right. stick wouldn't have poked through the rubber. It just it hit the perfect spot on this. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was it was quite the experience, and I was just glad to get out and skate. But now this shoe has a hole in it. The upper of the Audio Six is super thin. I didn't realize you can see straight through it. So I will not yeah. be running in the winter in this guy. Uh, but good segue because today mm-hmm. we're gonna be. Matt and I are going to talk through our testing experience in a shoe that we recently released a review of on our website, docsrunning.com. We're going to be talking about the Endorphin Speed Run Shield um, version. And so we're going to talk about that shoe a bit, the running experience, talk about weather. And so we're going to talk about all things gear from, you know, head to toe, kind of what we do for winter running, winter running, both in Wisconsin and in Southern California. So we'll kind of span the gamut, but Matt, why don't you just bring us in on the run, your run shield experience, how many miles you have on the shoe, that kind of thing. 
just so I can hear, we haven't even released this, and I can already people, hear people laughing when, when Nathan said winter experience in Southern California. Don't judge. <laughs> the temperatures do go down a little bit. We do actually get some rain here, so it is not a bad idea. Although, yeah, it's not uncommon to still have 80 degrees well, in December. So The fact that you said we do get rain in winter really yeah. tells us the story that it's not freezing. It is not usual, unless you're up in the mountains, which is actually where I'll be for a little bit uh, coming up in the next month okay. or so, uh, trying to get some real weather and, and chilliness there. But for most of Southern California, no, it's a little warmer, but the rain can come down pretty hard. So I have almost 100 miles on the run shield. I sent my pair to Bach, who's going to do a follow up on the speed. And, you know, I, the whole shoe was different. From the traditional speed i don't know if anything happened with the sole but the change using the run shield upper really made it much more secure a little bit warmer which wasn't bad because it is getting a little cooler here in the mornings but it just felt like a very different shoe it didn't feel as snappy but it felt more stable and secure yet softer at the same time it was a very different shoe than the inline speed did you have that same experience yeah i um i i I think what was interesting, it was the perfect example of what it's like to have a shoe like the Endorphin Speed 2 that I had, you know, over 50 miles or more on, and then to get a new pair in the mail that has the same midsole. And we reached out to Saucony. It's the same midsole compound. They didn't change durometer. They didn't change anything. Um, They just put a new upper on it. But I think that just tells you that foams do change over short periods of time running. And so the initial experience it was a much softer ride in this shoe. But I think what also changed was because the upper is a little bit different, the amount of flex that the shoe had seemed a little bit different as well. Um, And so maybe that's kind of what you're talking to Matt, but do you want to dive into kind of those differences between the two in the pro or two in the run shield? Sorry. Yeah. The, the major differences is the, the run shield upper is that, sorry, did you say the pro and the speed or the, the speed? No, sorry. I apologize to everybody. The speed two and the speed run shield. Run shield. Yeah. So the major difference is they use a run shield upper, which is more, do they call that water? Is it water resistive or water resistant? Water resistant. So it's not a hundred percent, but it's definitely a thicker upper. Uh, The mesh material is much thicker. It's also warmer. So I found that unlike the mesh in the, the super light mesh in the speed two, the run shield upper has a little bit softer material on the inside. And then this kind of film, what would you call that material on the outside that provides a little bit more warmth and a little bit more resistance to anything wet. So I did actually get the chance to run several times in the rain and they did fine. Traction was, was great on the sole, but the biggest difference is my feet stayed nice and relatively nice and warm and relatively dry, which can be a pain when you're running long mileage in a shoe that's a traditional mesh upper and things are raining, your feet can get really cold because it's an extremity, right? So it's harder, especially as the temperature drops for your body to get blood flow out that area to that area. So you immediately start losing warmth there. I didn't have that problem at all. And I, I haven't experienced a lot of water resistant uppers, but this was actually a really nice change. And again, the, there's, it's a thicker upper, but it seems to provide more stability and lockdown on the foot as evident by like, I didn't, Sometimes I have a little trouble with longer miles in the speed in both one and two. I had no trouble in the run shield. Mm. It was warm. It felt, it kept my foot locked down and then it was kept my feet relatively dry, which was really nice. And I didn't overheat, which I was expecting to do, but didn't happen. That's good. 
I think something to add on quickly there is one of the one of our other um, contributors, Megan, tested this shoe and she ran in it at the end of when the hurricane, I think it was Hurricane Ida, was coming through. Um, she lives up by New York City. And so she tested it through that and had a really good experience with the upper in terms of keeping her foot dry and not locking in water. I think a lot of the times my problem with Gore-Tex uppers or waterproof uppers is that once water gets in, it ain't getting out. And so she kind of wrote about that too, where when she hit, went in deeper puddles, the top of her foot stayed, stayed dry and it did a really good job there unless it got in through kind of the opening of the, the neck of the shoe. And I mean, you're kind of out of luck if that's what's happening anyway, yeah. but um, just, to, I think that's the one drawback and I'm going to be taking this shoe and really putting my written review out after some more winter miles when I'm excited to take this out in slush because I think it's going to accomplish two goals. Um, one is going to be the dryness in kind of the way that slush and kind of that like wet snow functions for us. Like a lot of times that's what just like seeps into the mesh uppers that we have and then your socks get wet and it's just, it's a perpetuating cycle. But I think even more so the kind of windproof nature of this upper is gonna, I think, be one of those things that saves my feet in the really, really cold weather. And we'll talk more about some other tricks to keep feet warm later in Wisconsin, but I'm excited to test this and just see what it does. I can't vouch for it yet because I haven't used Run Shield uppers in winter. So just keep an eye out. That'll come after we get some actual cold weather. That'll be my main contribution. I think Megan also said, you know, that the traction is okay. But it's not, it doesn't feel remarkably different than the normal traction. I think that they tried mm -hmm. to do some stuff to improve its ability to track uh, in the wet and grip, but my experience is it's fine, but nothing special. I would definitely agree with that. Where it's, it's, you know, this is definitely a road shoe. Um, this is not your off roader. Off -roader. Uh, yes, wait, I can't talk. This is not, I did take this shoe on some trail and it, it was, like okay um but definitely like, like it's this has got it's got to be a well-groomed trail anything yeah. else it's it's just not stable enough yeah and it's it's not meant to be it's a road shoe it's a road with wet and maybe a little bit of snow but honestly the platform's not meant for that it was pretty yeah. durable i was impressed that i didn't tear through the outsole as much as i would have expected mm -hmm. and this for whatever reason i don't know if it's it's me and my mechanics changing right now or but my wear pattern was a lot more forwards in the interesting. Shoe, which was interesting. Normally, as Nathan and everybody else knows, I just destroy the like the posterior most aspect of the rear foot. And it was more forward. It was almost like like for anterior mid or anterior rear foot, a little bit of midfoot that got a little bit more wear. But hmm. you did well. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually am pulling out the sock liner here. They tell you everything about the shoe, like on the sock liner, which is kind of fun. Oh, that, they yeah, walk through the different that. waterproof yeah. na or water resistant natures. They talk about some of the breathable natures of it. I will say even, you know, it's like 40, 40s, 30s. My foot still does get warm in this guy. I know you're in yep. Southern California. You said you've been doing fine. Um, yeah. You know, that it definitely that is... does. It definitely, my feet definitely do get warm. But the nice part is they don't, they haven't sweat which has happened in other waterproof uppers. Yeah. It just, the, your feet stay warm. And I have run in these shoes in like 70, 80 degrees. And I wouldn't advise doing long mileage in that. Cause I think you just, you'd be better with the, the mesh, but mm -hmm. I was fine. And that might also be because it was in the morning. I don't know what would happen if you're taking that out in the sun. Maybe right. 
not the best option, but I didn't have any problem other than my feet being warm. They didn't sweat. That's good. You were talking a little bit about traction on snow. And I think, you know, other people who have a lot of experience running in the snow, there's certain types of snow that you can wear whatever the heck you want. And unless you're wearing like yak tracks and even sometimes that, like it just doesn't, you just won't grip. Um, right. But I will say um, I ran in the speeds last winter and they are kind of on par with a lot of other <laughs> shoes running in the snow. Um, the, the shoe that did the worst for me in the snow was actually the glide ride Two last year, which I found really interesting, but I think there was just no, like here, you know, you have some triangular grooves within the, the outsole here. Right. Those are able to latch onto a little bit of the, you know, packier areas of the snow. The glide ride was just so flat on the outsole that I just couldn't grip at all. So that wasn't fun, but um, and it actually made me think, I know this isn't about the glide ride too, but it was like this, I would not buy this shoe as my only shoe if I lived in a place where it's going to snow because right. it just didn't grip well. Um, the, on that note, there are lots of, you know, road running shoes that do have outsoles that work somewhat well for trail. I mean, we'll, we'll have a review out of this shoe and I have my own thoughts on this kind of being, you know, some other thoughts that you will get into in the review, but Something like this, you know, where this is, this is the Solar Glide ST, uh, the 4 ST, where you have these this nubbed outsole can be really good just for getting a little bit more traction. Um, if you have stable enough mechanics, the Nike Pegasus is also one that's usually pretty good because you've got that waffle outsole, though it depends on the model. So they've been kind of reducing that a little bit. But mm -hmm. just look at the outsole. There are certain ones where you'll have little nubs that that you can still get away with uh, running on trail or even a little bit of rough. What's the word I'm looking for? Not sure. Lost it. It's Not fine. sure. If you have like, if, if conditions aren't as good, it, they work Got a it. little bit better despite being primarily road shoes. So there are some options out there and that just involves, you know, the reader or the listeners look for shoes that have some nubs on the bottom. Yeah. There's plenty of road shoes that still have that. Definitely. Definitely. Let's, um, let's talk for one more quick second about, stability uh you kind of mentioned this one was a lot more stable for you than hmm. the two i tend to agree i still don't do great with this one in the heel Ooh, i just bumped something i don't do great with this one in the heel in terms of stability it's still too soft and not structured from side to side enough for me and so yep. i just i wobble a lot i do think that this upper lean so the version one of the speed was kind of like let's go fast let's race this guy yeah Version two started to verge a little bit more trainer slightly just because the upper added a little bit of weight. This run shield brings it one step for me further towards that training realm where this won't be the racing shoe for people, but it's going to be the one that if you really like the feel of speed roll, the more flexible plate and um, a little bit of enhanced ability just from the more thickened upper through the heel. I think that that did allow me to have a little bit more luck less soreness because in the normal speeds i got sore every time um on the inside and the outside of my ankle just those muscles having to work hard so i didn't have that with these ones um as much still there they're still not super stable in the heel but the forefoot is going to be just fine for everybody um but i think stability slightly changed with the upper but still in my opinion not not top-notch stability for those who need it in the rear foot I, I totally agree with you on that. I think for me, the upper locked my foot onto the platform better, whereas the yes. other one, I felt like I was almost sliding off. It's not 
it's not a stability shoe by any means. And I think for me, where that ended up, I think that's why it felt so much softer is in the other ones, my, my heel may have like translated off the platform a little bit. Whereas this one, the upper locks my foot on really well. So it was the, the softness of the sole was that much more apparent in the heel. Got my it. heel is super soft. So, and that's another reason I think I could not run fast in this shoe. It was a easy day shoe that, cause it's a little lighter that was nice to use on my legs, but it was not stable, um, for anything faster. It was yeah. definitely like easy day. I need something soft and light. I'm just going to get miles in and don't worry about too much else. Right. So I'm wondering that's if that's why it felt softer, especially in the heel. Yeah, that would make sense. Cool. So if anybody has any additional questions specifically about the run shield, um, we can talk through that stuff. Uh, just send us a message, either Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We got direct messages that way. Our email is doctorsofrunning at gmail.com. And reach out to us in any of those platforms. And at some point we will get back to you. <laughs> it just might take a little while. <laughs> it may take a couple of weeks, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Cool. So we wanted to talk about one more shoe before we talked about winter gear. Matt and I both j finished testing kind of sister shoes in the Adidas world. So Matt, why don't you intro this shoe for us? And you kind of talked about it already a little bit. Yeah, so we'll we'll have this shoe review out sometime next week. Um, but we took a look at the Adidas Solar Glide Four and the Solar Glide Four ST. The major difference between the two of them, um, obviously, is that the Solar Glide Four ST is the stability one, so it has a full length stable frame throughout the length of the shoe, just to make it more of a stability shoe. Whereas in the Solar Glide Four, that's just an EVA frame. Um, but yeah, they're, they're both more traditional trainers. They're a little bit on the heavier side. They're not going to be your super speedy shoe. There's going to be shoes that, you know, you're just getting mileage on, you're pounding the pavement in. So we, they're again, very similar shoes and surprisingly no one has reviewed these or yeah. there's been very few reviews. So we're like, Hey, let's, let's get something out there. So we should have this out in the next couple of days. It'll probably actually curious, be released before this podcast releases. Oh, that's fair. Likely. Okay. So We'll just change the verbiage based on our previous review. No, no. no. So Nathan, what was I've run in the Solar Glide and the Solar Glide ST and the Solar Boost previously? I'm curious. This okay. is your first one of these, right? Yeah, this is my first in the. Well, I I didn't run in Adidas until this year, and now I've oh, ran. That's in right. All of the Adi Zero line except for the Prime X. Yeah. And then uh, now I've dipped into this this shoe here, the Solar Glide Floor Four. And it was my actually my first shoe besides the Ultra Boost um, 21 that had mm. Boost in it. And so it was oh. the most traditional use of Boost. And I was surprised at how firm Boost runs. I didn't, I did, I guess I just expected it to be a bit softer due to the expanded nature of the foam. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, general feelings of the shoe is it, it runs firm. It's got an extended you know, it has that extended um, torsion system that goes up through the forefoot. So there's a little bit of added rigidity um, to what you can feel with your hands. But I honestly didn't feel it at all when running through the forefoot. Um, the Solar Glide has that little bit of the extension of the torsion system into the heel on the medial side as well and kind of builds up thinking similar to what you see in the endorphin um, shift. It has kind of a little bit of a plastic buildup to kind of bridge the foam there on the medial side. And it's hard to parse out whether that really changed how stable it was in the heel. I think the foam is so firm that it probably didn't. Um, 
make a big difference. But the overall takeaway that I had is it's something that I wouldn't want to run 15 miles in, something that I wouldn't want to take out for a recovery run. Probably just if I was going to go for me, you know, five to six to seven miles and just kind of going out for a run, not something where I'm pushing hard. It just didn't, it just felt heavy, bottom heavy. You know, the upper is, is thick as well, but the, the shoe feels heavy on the bottom. And so trying to turn that over was not super fun. Um, but if you like those, the feel of trainer, and this might sound worse, this is going to sound bad, but if you like the feel of trainers from like five to 10 years ago, but you just can't find them, this is like an option for you. Um, that just has a more flat geometry operates off of a really durable, more firm foam. I think that's kind of what I found here. The upper I found is really consistent with a lot of the other Adidas shoes where it's that low volume upper where it kind of pushes down on the top of your toes, um, which was okay, but I do I did get a little bit of uh, abrasion on the top of my feet after longer runs, which is why I, I didn't like take it, part of why I didn't like taking them super long. So um, there's my initial thoughts. What were you, what are your initial thoughts? Oh, I was going to ask you, you said the stable frame. Yeah. So for me, you know, yeah. that was the one other thing I want to touch on. So yeah, it's an EVA. I couldn't feel the differentiation in the shoe. You know, if I was just rocking medial ladder, I didn't feel a transition between the two types of foam. Um, but there is the rim of the EVA around the outside of the entire shoe, um, except way in the heel. Um, but I couldn't really feel the difference. So what is the compound that your stable frame is made out of? I, I believe it's also EVA, but it's just firmer density. Firmer density. And what it feels like to me is again this this thing I can feel it in the heel, but there's also a lot of there's the the lateral the medial and lateral heel counters right here. Which upper I know off off topic upper wise this is one of my favorite uppers in the heel because the counter ends right here and then it leaves this exposed. Great point. Which yes, I love. So somebody who has a Haglund deformity or like a pump bump where my Achilles insertion is really sensitive. This is perfect. There's no, sorry, there's no pressure back here at all because the heel counters are on this side and they go a little farther forward. So it actually it locks the heel in really well and adds more stability to the heel. The stable frame, though, definitely goes the full length of the shoe. So if somebody wants full length stability, this is a good, good one to have because it's, again, it's a firmer EVA material that just goes all the way into the forefoot. And I could definitely feel it locking in my forefoot. I'm not sure because it's got the same thing on the outside. They just didn't label it. But when I try to kind of rock out, I also got resistance. So I think hmm. this might actually have stability both medially and laterally, which most should, shoes should, to be honest, because they, the goal is to guide you forward, not guide you too far one way or the other. Right. So, yeah, the stability is actually done well. I would say almost too well, where they've got the stable <laughs> front the full length, and it actually makes the shoe a little bit stiff. They've got the torsion system in the same setup here where it, again, goes through the forefoot. And I could feel that. It's got, you know, the heel counters, all that kind of stuff. And I agree with Nathan. I think one of the reasons why I, the only time I felt the boost is when I was landing really hard on the heel. Mm. Other than that, I think because the EVA frame right here sits right below the foot, that's what you feel. And we mm -hmm. know this, there's some evidence on this that, that people will one of the biggest things that impacts how a shoe feels underfoot is actually the insole. And so like the top layer of the shoe. So if you have a firmer top layer, yeah, you're going to, even if there's a soft bit underneath the shoe, you're still going to think that shoe is probably really firm. And this is a really good example of that happening for the two of us. I think we had a very similar 
feel the only, and again, going back to yes, it's very stable throughout the length of the shoe. And I'd say too stable because this, this shoe is not very flexible at all. It's really mm -hmm. stiff. I would agree with Nathan that, and I'm going to say this, that I'm actually disappointed that it just ends up being clunky where it's yep. again, if you, and you know, trainers from five to 10 years ago, they were on the clunky side. That was kind of normal. That That's yeah. just, you accepted that, but we've had so much forward progress on that, that, you know, we've had some really smooth trainers, uh, you know, shoes that Nathan and I sometimes are reaching for even during workouts, which, you know, several years ago, you would have never thought to do, right. but now you got that versatility. This is definitely old school. It's super stiff, definitely more rigid, not super fun to take on long runs because it's heavy and clunky. Yeah, it breaks in a little bit as the miles go in, but yeah, I think part of the problem is, as Nathan mentioned, the shoe's a little flatter, not heel-wise. There's still like an 8 to 10 millimeter heel drop, Yeah, but there's not a lot of heel bevel or toe spring. The toe spring's very low. In this one, it's actually very stiff because of the stable frame. And there is a heel bevel oh. here, but it gets taken out because there's a significant uh, posterior flare. So you end up so landing early. What I was actually going to bring up, you talked about clunkiness. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had to write about the negative effects of posterior heel flares in like a year or more. I know. It's been a while. And I was, it was a little disappointed. And this was one of yeah. those shoes that brought it back. Not because Adidas doesn't know what they're doing. They just they just kept right. this as part of it. Like the, all of their other, I mean, the Adios I mean, 6, I have it here. Like you can see there's yeah. a big lateral, you know, posterior lateral bevel, which smooth out, smooths yeah. out that landing, gets rid of any sort of flaring. This one had yeah. a flare. And for me, yeah. one of my issues is with my left TBLs anterior. So something that like for me flares up regularly. And so that was for, this was, this is a personal thing because this is my mechanics and my personal like injury history, but taking this shoe more than, you know, an hour brought me pain the next day because it was putting more demand on my tibialis anterior. Posterior heel flare is when the sole of the shoe extends beyond the mm -hmm. heel. And that would mean that if you are a heel striker, what happens is that the torque around your ankle, which is trying to bring your toes to the ground is greater than it was if that, if that, if that heel flare wasn't there. So the heel flare adds extra torque to the muscles in the front of the shin. And for me, that's problematic. Um, some shoes do that really purposefully, like the Clifton edge Clifton 10, nine. We're not going to necessarily talk about what we think about those. Matt is showing you with him gagging about it, but um, you know, they have a different purpose. They're not trying to create, you know, a certain type of, they're trying to create a certain type of landing. We've talked to some creators who, who talk about impact forces. And if you can have, you know, like a car crash and then, you know, the goal of the hood of a car is for it to like fold like an accordion. That's some of the philosophy behind creating these extended heels. In the case of this shoe, the foam is so firm that it just throws your foot forward faster. And so I found that problematic, especially for myself, but I think it's an easy fix of the shoe. Go ahead, Matt. I, I think the same thing in the ST where it was just that added to the clunkiness. I, I'm a, both Nathan and I are heel strikers. I, you know, we can switch our gait if necessary, but our traditional gait is that when we're running at recovery paces and it just made it. Yeah. It's an early initial contact. I fortunately didn't have any trouble with my anterior tib. Sometimes we'll get a little bit of a knee issue, but it was that I didn't have trouble with. It just made it kind of clunky. So for people that, you know, like having an early initial contact, there is again, from the creators when we talked about talk to Hoka is that extending that heel back. Yes. Technically, you know, 
if you have more time during stance phase that could extend out the impact profile, but you're going to put, you, you can't get rid of biomechanics. You're still going to put more torque into certain muscles, especially the anterior tibialis. You are potentially going to have your knee pivot a little bit more forward, which could put a little bit more pressure through the, through the patellofemoral joint. So, but not everybody's going to have this, but just for me and for Nathan and I, I use proper English, it, it just ended up making the shoe really clunky. And so I think this is, again, it's an easy fix. I think in both of them, just, and we, Adidas, like, like Nathan said, we know, you know how to do heel bevels really well. So if you did that here, I think it would smooth out the ride a lot. And I think for how flexible was the solar glide for in the, the forefoot? Actually flexible. That's what, cause yeah. I, that's a big difference. I think it sounds like between the two, because the stable frame isn't very rigid. So the only thing yeah. adding that rigidity is the, basically the foams that exist, but also the extended yeah. um, you, torsion, which was, I didn't, I could feel it in my hands, but I yeah. couldn't feel it when running. Yeah. You mean the EVA frame? Yeah. Whatever I said. Yeah. That's uh, fine. Uh, <laughs> the stable frame. It's fine. We're, we're, we're helping each other. The stable frame in the ST is very stiff in the forefoot. And that makes, Got it. because there's not a ton of toe spring here, it, and people who don't like toe spring and still want a stiff shoe up front, this could be great. But for me, like that transition was just a little clunky. So you can compensate for that actually with making some deeper flex grooves or maybe increasing the toe spring a little bit. But just, yeah, there's just a lot of things that I think that this, the Solar Glide series has a lot of potential. There's just some updates that need to happen. And to be fair, there haven't been a lot of huge updates over the last several years. The shoes have been pretty similar. So hopefully that they'll update that. And I think they could, there's a lot of things that Adidas has done super well with, with the Addy Zero line that I'd really like to see moved over into the Solar Glide series. Yeah, part of my, we don't have a close relationship with ASICs, so we don't have, you know, or, oh my gosh, with Adidas, yeah. we're falling apart. Anyway, yeah, that's okay. uh, we, we don't have a close relationship with Adidas. We, we do have a relationship with ASICs, but, um, you know, our part of my cynical side thinks that this is one of those shoes that probably sells fine. So they mm. just keep pumping it out as it is. And they're not putting a lot of innovation time, research and development into changing the shoe. Whereas all of that is getting poured into the Audi zero line, which is fine. I mean, that's their choice. Um, it just, which means you just to be fair. Yeah. They have gone all out on the Audi zero line. I, yeah, I've for pretty sure. Much every shoe that we've, we've tested from there has been pretty impressive. So that's been awesome. The one shoe, so this I this is a weird part about what we do is, you know, we're sent all of these shoes to test. Mm. Obviously, we can't just wear 70 shoes all year long. And so they would just sit in a closet. So I get rid of a lot of them to the cross-country coach in town, other friends who are my size, that kind of stuff, like getting them to kids in schools who need shoes, that kind of thing. Um, and I haven't had to buy a shoe in a long time. I'm actually considering buying a shoe, but I'm going to talk about that in a future podcast when we start, because pretty soon we're going to be doing our like end of the year, kind of our picks for different types of shoes. I'll, I'll include that there, but it is from Adidas, the, the shoe that I'm considering buying an extra pair of, um, but we'll get there someday. Yeah. We should say, actually, we should say this. Both of the Solar Glide shoes were our own purchases. Matt purchased them and sent them out to us for test. And the run shield that we talked about before was sent to us by Saucony. And so those, those two are, that's how we acquired both of those shoes. We should do a whole podcast on um, sources of bias within uh, review teams. Yeah. 
you know, like the inf- influence of if your income is based on ads or if it's income based on supporters or if it's, you know, where's your, in- if your income is from companies, you know, what kind of right. bias does that put into your shoes? If you buy the shoe versus we should do a whole episode on that. We, we should for just a really quick thing for the listeners and the viewers. We do have that conversation all the time. And it's something that we're very, very cognizant of. It's, it's why, you know, we've had some companies contact us about like paid partnerships and stuff like that. And we're going like, how do we navigate this? Because we want to make sure we stay true and being honest. And it's challenging because again, we are getting to know some of the, the people that develop these shoes and we're like, Hey, how do we balance that? And part of it is what's helped us is actually being clinicians and going our number, the people that we need to serve are all of you and our patients and making good decisions and trying to give feedback to companies to help them be better. So it is, it's a real thing. We should do an episode on that. That'd be fun. It's something that people need to be aware of. And we encourage people to go, even with our, our reviews to go, Hey, is there any bias? Right. So again, having a shoe sent to you, there's always some kind of risk there, but if if it's a more personal purchase, there's going to be more independence with that. So, and we try everything we can to avoid that, but It'd be fun to dive into it and get everybody's thoughts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Cool. So, you know, those are those two shoes. We wanted to run through those. But now let's transition to talking about cold weather running. We'll kind of just spitball our way through some things that each of us use, um, some little tips about what we found works in in terms of staying warm in the winter. Um, But let's start up. How do you, I, I guess I just filmed, I actually filmed a video for work where I talked about for the two main things, in, in depending on who you are right now, you might be listening to this. And you're like, I'm a super experienced runner. I get it. Um, you don't need to tell me about how to stay warm in Wisconsin. I've lived in Wisconsin or Canada my whole life. Like I'm fine. <laughs> um, or you might be brand new. So we're kind of gearing this section towards the new runners. Cause there's a lot of new runners in the last couple of years. And so we're gearing this to people who this might be their first winter trying to run. And they're like, can I even run through the winter? That's what this is for. So when you're thinking about, and maybe we'll have some tips about gear that we like that experienced people might be like, Ooh, I might try that one. So hope that makes sense. But what I said to the people in, in the video that I made for my, for my work was there are two main considerations regarding safety when it comes to winter running. The first one is being visible. And so it gets super dark. Like we just had daylight savings time, I guess today, but it wasn't getting light in Wisconsin until like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And then it gets dark at five or six and now it shifts an hour but at some point in the winter it's not going to be light until eight and it's going to be dark at four and so you're basically no time if you have a normal you know nine to five job you're not going to be able to run in the in the daylight and so being lit on the streets is going to be a big deal the second thing i talked about in the video was um, safety in terms of warmth because obviously here when you're getting down to the days where the wind chill is negative 25 um, maybe you consider not running those days. I do, but, uh, there, you got to consider how to be safe weather wise from frostbite mainly, and maybe some hypothermia stuff, but mainly frostbite is the, is the problem with appendages. So, um, 
let's kind of start at the top, Matt. Like, what, do you get to the point in Southern California where you need a hat? Not usually, unless That's it's crazy. raining. To be honest, <laughs> um, and it may be that my head doesn't get that cold. The only exception to that is being up in the mountains. So if anybody, this, this year has been a little bit more challenging, but for anybody that's known me in the past, I spent a lot of time trying to get up to Mount Baldy or um, a lot of the mountains, including uh, up near Crestline. And so in the next couple of days, I'm actually going to be up at Wrightwood uh, trying to get away so I can focus on studying and prepping for my uh, comprehensive exams for the PhD here pretty soon. But I haven't used a lot of hats. The only thing we use hats for, I think, is when it actually gets like way too sunny, and that's mm -hmm. that's the exception I've used hats for. But when not it gets like a cold, winter hat. I'm... You're thinking like a running hat. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm more likely to use a hoodie <laughs> um, or something that's got a hood on to cover my ears up, but rarely a hat for running. To be honest. Okay. Cool. Unless it's yeah. raining. On on my end, it's obviously it's a pretty different story. So. Um, one of the most versatile things that I've found for winter running is like a buff. And the reason I like them is because, you know, they can, so this is like a buff. This is one that I got from a race that I did in North Carolina, but um, just a long tube of material. I, I like them because you can wear them as like a headband in kind of the earlier parts of the winter or the late fall. And so they can kind of just sit here and warm your ears. And then, what those transition to for me, once it gets to really, really cold and windy is when I have, uh, I, I put it and I cover my face from my nose down because otherwise your nose is going to freeze off basically. And your, your breath might get pretty cold. And so a buff is really nice to protect both your face and it can be, it can double as some stuff for keeping your, your head warm. But the, the main stuff that I have is a tight beanie. I use the Mizuno breath, breath thermo, breathe thermo. I never know how to say it but it's a very tight beanie that fits over my head. Um, and what I like about that is it allows me to also double it up and just use one of my like thicker winter hats on the really cold days. So I can have two layers, one that's a beanie that's tight to the skin and kind of warms the sweat that you get. And then the extra hat can be the insulation. And so if you're going to try to run through the winter, I would recommend trying to get a nice beanie and then any other kind of winter hat that you're probably using all the time anyway. Um, Something that I don't use a lot, but I have other friends who do. I don't know if you've heard of like balaclavas. I think that's how you mm -hmm. say it. Yeah. But yeah, they just basically are like a big hood that you put on. Um, and so this is a Gordini one that I've just had since my childhood because sometimes that's just what happens. You got to exist out in the cold and I snowboard. So I use it for my snowboarding. But on the really, really cold days, having a full hood that covers your entire nose and it's it basically just keeps just your eyes open. So I think when it, if you had to pare it down for the head, you need a tight, I think you should really have a tight beanie, a buff that can double for either a headband or your face, and then something bigger over the top. So a little bit different between, I didn't realize that you wouldn't even, like when I said hat, you didn't even think winter hat. You thought running hat. Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, the only time I did experience this, so I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, fair. and spent a lot of time up near Mount Hood at a small town called Welch's. And that is where I got to experience temperatures in like the 20s and teens, and actually pretty close to zero in the winter. Mm. And uh, that's the only time. So not very common, but I can appreciate that now. That But that was when I had started running. Right. Um, I wish I had known more about that then, yeah. because I definitely remember having like like snot freeze on my lip, which hurts. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, like to like, especially if you don't know and you're like, oh, that's weird. Rip. And you're like, oh, there goes all my skin. Totally. That hurt. Yeah. So 
or like spit that freezes or like, yeah, crazy. like when your eyes start watering like yeah for that reason i can totally see. and then ears ears oh, yeah i've had some frost nip yeah. on my ears pretty badly and going i might lose some skin here fortunately did not but southern Actually, california not as much that, that's very very different <laughs> I actually, for those who are are just listening, I'm rocking only a mustache right now. So you guys can tell me if I, I'm going to definitely grow it back out. I'm growing out the beard. I had some inspirations to go mustache and uh, I'm thankful I'm trying it, but long-term. Part of the reason I'm actually going to grow it back is in the winter when you start sweating, if you have a beard, the sweat will freeze and you actually get like face insulation from the ice. It's awesome. So you get like this natural insulator. And so I try to grow up my beard a little bit longer because then once I'm a couple miles in, I feel really good. Um, so that's kind of a fun, fun thing. But let's move on to the hands. So I think I have two things that basically get me through 95% of the winter. Um, and not, these probably don't even need to be fancy. Again, I use the breath thermo stuff from Mizuno. So these are the, the fleece uh, gloves. And so they're very, very thin, but these work for me down into the teens um, if it's not windy. So I think when you think of winter weather, you know, there's a difference between if it's, you know, not humid and if it's no wind. But if it's windy and humid, it's going to feel 10 degrees, 20 degrees colder. Um, wind chill is a piece of that, but even humidity, like if it feels, if it's moist in the air, it even feels colder. So it's really going to depend on some of those things, but, um, the, yeah, the, the fleece breath thermo is what I use for most of my running, but then what gets me through the rest of it is if I have, I have these windproof mittens. Um, these are by Gordini, but I looked on their website and I couldn't find any more of these like really thin kind of running mittens, but I love the mitten aspect cause I can put my fleece gloves into the mitten. And it allows my fingers to kind of warm each other as its own unit. I've used other windproof stuff that are individual gloves. And it just doesn't do the same job that a mitten does because your fingers are isolated to each other. So they have to, they don't have kind of the heat exchange between them. So I really love having a, a windproof mitten to put over the fleece stuff. So that's kind of my big, my hand stuff. For me, hand it, it, gloves are everything. For years, I ran with cheap gloves that didn't do anything. And my hands, my extremities are super sensitive to cold. I will lose sensation. I will. They will turn pink, white. Um, I'm still wondering. I've never been diagnosed, but wondering if I have some kind of mild Raynaud's. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's always been a problem. So when, huh. especially with wind, it's rough. So... I don't remember the company. I'd love to try the Mizuno thermal stuff because they do a really good job. But I just every year go to Dick's Sporting Goods hmm. or one of the local sports stores and just get like kind of the warmest gloves I can get. And I would err on the side of warmer, at least for someone like myself, because, you know, you feel fine the first couple of miles, but it can get really bad, especially with long runs. And in Southern California, I spend a lot of time up the mountains so that I can get particularly cold. But the other thing that we get here is wind especially in the yeah. winter and that wind will rip through you it cuts you so I, ha yeah. I have a piece, piece of gear that that really has been helpful with that but that wind will rip through you and take your heat away faster than you can think so definitely gloves are one of those things where i would invest in yeah it's gonna be a couple extra bucks mm -hmm. you will thank yourself you know at mile 12 or 15 when your hands are freezing and you can't get that blood flow back back so right. 
that for me, high quality wind resistant gloves are really key. Yeah. And I, I'll say two things on there. One, I wouldn't want the wind resistant for like the mild cold because yeah. they, you just sweat so fast. They're so yeah, you warm. Sweat. So like I And then like, it takes forever for the gloves to dry. Yes. Too. So I like having something thin for a lot of the and when I say mild cold, it's it's all relative because if you're used to 70s and then it dips to 40 versus if you're used to 30s and it dips to negative five, that's the same difference in temperature in terms yeah. of what your body is used to. Obviously, there's more actual risks associated with negative five than 40 degrees. Yeah. Like to your there's anyway. Just but good. I, I I do like having, you know, a breathable thin glove. The thing I will say about this is a huge shout out to the breath thermo stuff. I was on a run last winter. It was negative 12 and negative 26, I believe, with wind chill. And I started off with, you know, my beanie from breath thermo, my my fleece, and then my over, you know, my extra layers. And after three miles, I was sweating a lot. So I took off my hat and my, my mittens. And it was negative 26 and my head and my hands stayed warm the rest of the run, just with these really thin gloves in negative 26. And part of that, and it seems like voodoo to me, but part of it is the technology in the breath thermo stuff is it's a material that heats your sweat. And so when you start sweating, it actually does generate heat to keep your, to keep your hands and your head warm or whatever the materials touching. So I have a base layer from them too, that does this has the same material in it. Um, that's a whole other, I, I would give that a different level of review. I love the, the beanie from breath thermo. This is last year's stuff. So I don't know what this year's is like and the, and the fleece gloves, but the, the base layer was a little scratchy and just fit really long. So it wasn't my favorite, but anyway, I like to have a little bit of both. Let's talk feet really quick, how to keep your feet warm. Um, I do think this is where I'm really excited to test the run shield through the really cold because of the windproof nature of it. But a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford just a pair of windproof shoes for the sake of running in winter. And that's okay. Um, something that a good running friend of mine has done um, and that works is actually taking duct tape and taping, taping over the mesh of your, of your shoe. Um, mainly if you're, if you're watching kind of just around the toe box here, because it's going to prevent wind from coming through and wind is the real culprit of getting cold in the winter. Um, so it'll, it'll windproof that it keeps some of the slush and wetness from getting in and soaking your shoe. And so even if you do just a line around kind of where the toe guard would be, and then one, one little tape over the top that can go a long way in keeping your toes warm. Um, and that's a cheap option. It will get some stuff on your shoe. So you just have to prepare for that, but it's a cheaper option than getting a whole new pair of shoes for that. So just something to consider. I like that. I've I've never thought about that. That's cool. Yeah, this guy's kind of like a figure something out that you don't have to spend a ton of money on it. DIY, do it yourself. For sure. Like that. The other thing is I think fleece or sorry, wool um socks are are great. You know, pretty much most major rocks sock running companies are making some wool stuff, like features has yep. some. I run mostly in darn tough in the winter. Um but wool is going to do a nice job of keeping you warm. Yep. Actually, the other Mizuno breath thermo is the socks. I have those two and they're awesome as well. <laughs> but do you have to Definitely change your sock you... stuff? Um, the socks I, I use, I years ago had found a bunch of 
Adidas socks. It was like the energy sock. And okay. I bought like 20 pairs of them because they were really cheap. And they've, they're actually thicker and compressive mm-hmm. and they've done a good job. Um, I ha- My feet have definitely gotten cold uh, with some of the mountain running I've done. So that might be, hey, I might have to look at some of those uh, Mizuno Brito socks. But definitely having, do not do cotton. Cotton, I mean, in general, yeah. is not a great idea. But especially winter running is a nightmare because as soon as your feet sweat, the cotton holds it. Yeah. And then you're just going to start losing heat immediately. Yeah. So good quality socks is important. Um, and a little bit thicker can be helpful. The wool are really great. I have one wool sock. I can't remember who it's from, but it definitely makes a huge difference. Right. The other thing, just in shoes in general. So I held up the Audio 6 before. That mm. meshes, you can see through it. There is a big difference no. between that and... Like a shoe that pops into my head is the is the Magnify from Puma. Yeah, like that's a thicker upper. So just the nature of you know a more traditional trainer, like yeah, the Magnify would be one, or the Wave Rider, or the right. Saucony Ride. You know those that are sitting in that like daily trainer realm are going to have a little bit of a thicker, more robust upper, which does make a difference in sustaining some some temperatures in the winter versus racing flats are going to be a little bit more rough just because the uppers are so thin and breathable yeah. that any wind or cold is going to go right through that shoe. Yeah, the mono mesh stuff is just not yeah, not logical for Wisconsin. Yeah. It, it makes it harder place. to buy the shoes to be honest. It's like yeah. it's hard to buy a racing shoe in Wisconsin or not a racing shoe, but like a lightweight trainer sometimes because you're like yeah. if I'm going to only buy one or two shoes this year, that's not going to get me through the winter well. So it's it's a right. huge consideration here. Right. For those in Southern California, we can get away with that more. But like, right. you know, if you're running early in the morning, like for me, um, when I start at Kaiser, I start at like, you know, I've got to get my run in starting at like five o'clock. So it is pitch black and yeah. usually the temperature is still really, especially as it gets into the winter, we'll get into the thirties and that's, you're just starting there. And so like, so warming up in your trainers is really important than having your car close by so you can change shoes, mm-hmm. do the workout, get out of the shoes immediately, get back into a warmer pair is really important still. Mm-hmm. And that gets even more intense if you're up in the mountains. So having trained up at Crestline, Big Bear, you know, it, you're getting snow up there. It's it's dipping down to the teens and 20s. So yep. got to see the, the, the racing flats don't last very long. Or at least right. your feet don't last very long in the racing flats up there. So couple more quick things and and these are a little less technical maybe more preference so i think the last couple things that are big are having a nice pair of tights um and you know upper and then upper chest like trunk layers are a big deal so just having a bunch of layers is fine but then also a wind kind of a wind resistant or windproof jacket can be like kind of locking you in so matt do you have favorite stuff for either tights or jackets or base layers um for tights I'm kind of all over the place. I've got a bunch of different companies and kind of just, it's just like a go-to of if it's getting colder, I'm going to put tights on just because yeah. it takes a lot longer to like half tights. Also, if you're doing workouts are good, just know it's going to take you a while to warm up and you're going to be freezing short shorts. Split shorts are pretty rough unless like you're racing or doing workouts and you can warm up in pants first. But my go-to is, is any company's, tights i have a lot of adidas tights because i lived in portland and went to the uh, employee store all the time so those are my cool i don't know what kind they are but that's my go-to my favorite right now thank you running warehouse for letting me for getting me a couple pairs of these the uh terex parlay the i think it's wind ready or their windbreaker this stuff the additional part is me running at five o'clock in the morning 
you know, people are driving really fast, even on the, uh, the streets here. So having something like this, where the material is really reflective and it's really, it stands out is really good. But this jacket, it's not the warmest jacket. So if you're in the thirties, you're still gonna be a little cold, but this thing resists wind like crazy. And I have, I have two different colors here and I love these jackets, but where I cool. train a lot, even though I live in Monrovia, I'll go up to the um, bike path in Azusa and it's, it's, it goes through the Canyon and wind whips through there. Like none other. So none other. So you will be running through there and it will be like 15, 20 degrees colder when you're in the shade and when you're getting hit by the wind yeah, and that can not only push into you when you're trying to run fast, but also it'll, it'll take the air out of you. No, no pun intended. <laughs> so these, you know, the material here, again, I don't overheat in these, but it definitely blocks the wind really well. So I mm -hmm. love this. And it's, they're super light as well. So for those in Southern California, you're not going to need the heaviest jacket because you'll get hot. But having a solid windbreaker will definitely keep you warm as, you know, th as, as you keep going. There's right. a lot of things. If you overdo it too, you can overheat, which is a problem. But I really like this jacket just for the... The reflectivity, the color is awesome, and also just it stops wind really nicely. And that's yeah, those are sweet. Be, as as I mentioned, that that's the biggest thing in Southern California is stopping the wind because it'll drop mm -hmm. the temperature by a significant amount for you. Yeah. Uh, I in terms of tights, you know, there's a there's different thicknesses of tights, which is going to be important to consider. You know, my recommendation is to get a mid to thicker um, tight instead of the really thin ones if you're looking for it for warmth. Like the the thin ones are in here around here aren't going to do anything for you through the winter. So I use the a rabbit. They don't make it anymore, but it's a, a rabbit tight that's mid mid thickness, and um, it gets me through most of the winter. And when it's really really cold, I just wear those, and then I put like joggers on over it, and I do much better. Um, as yep. crazy as it sounds, most of my you know running friends wear wind briefs as well because you do want to protect that area and it gets wicked cold. <laughs> so don't be afraid to get some wind briefs. I, I have tons of those because when it does get cold, I, you know, I wear them underneath my half tights and tights yeah. because I have had some chafing issues in the past, but especially when the wind picks up, if you just have your tights on and there's no additional protection, that wind, if you're, I don't, I can't speak for, for females, but men, that wind will problem. rip right through you. It's a problem. So I highly encourage you to get some good solid wind briefs because it really makes a difference. Yeah. Um, because it'll knock the wind out of you. My absolute favorite base layer, just transitioning quickly out of that. Yeah. Um, my absolute favorite base layer on the top is the Rabbit Easy Tee. It is mm. the softest. It's just awesome. So Rabbit did send those yeah. to us. So caveat yes. there, but I I wear it as my closest to skin base layer it's pretty thin it doesn't keep me super warm um it's best for like 30s and 20s but like when it's even when it's dipping low i'll put that on first because it's just so soft and um then when i layer on top of it it's still comfortable on my skin and then for me i i agree with matt like finding a wind shell that works for you i've got a couple that i use but don't have one that i really kind of lean towards but some kind of wind shell i do have a wind vest um, it's another breathe, breathe thermo thing. Um, but the vest is really nice because it keeps your trunk warm. And that's really where I, you know, for the really cold days, it matters yep. the most, but on the coldest, you know, having a full length thing is really nice. So something windproof, you know, at the top, yep. wind, windproofing's going to be key when it really, really dips low. And you've heard that from 
<laughs> pretty much every part of the body. So the last thing we'll talk about really quick is just lighting and making sure you're visible. So what I use right now, I have a, I just have like a camping light that I got way back in the day. It's an energizer one. I probably got it at Walmart or something. Um, I do like to have, you know, at least 300 lumens um, to, to be visible enough. I have a, a guy in our run club has one that's like brighter than like when the brights are on a car, he's a big biker. And so he, he calls it his headlight. That thing's awesome, but it's, it's very, very bright. And then I have an arm sleeve that I wear. Um, this was just a, a cheap one that I bought online, but it works really, really well. And then I just bought a vest that I put over whatever layers I have just so that I'm visible enough on the road. I know that there's stuff out there like Brooks make their, their run visible collection, um, which is sweet. It's like embedded within the material. That stuff's just expensive. So depending on what you want to spend money on and, you know, you know, stuff like this, like the arm sleeve and then the vest, they're not the most comfortable, like it'll slide around or whatever, but it doesn't bother me. So I, I'm fine with it. But if you're somebody who's more sensitive to that and wants to like go next tier, there is gear, like even Matt's jackets that have a lot of reflective nature or features put into them which is which is yeah. kind of nice the the adidas logo is super reflective and just the color pattern in general is really good for catching um driver's eye like even you know they have uh one of the prime blue this prime blue from adidas is really comfortable it's a long sleeve which has been really helpful cool. and it's not it's not the most reflective but the color pattern like again the more brighter colors the more offset stuff is always really good in the winter because it will catch yeah. Um, driver's eye. And again, shout out for running warehouse to, to, uh, for sending me some of that stuff. Yeah. Being comfortable, but yeah, don't be afraid to wear brighter colors. Please don't be that person that's wearing all black in the morning. <laughs> no reflective uh, stuff. When it's dark. Like you, you, it, if you need to wear something reflective, it's, yeah. it's not worth, you know, the, the potential because people are not paying attention. You know, no. holidays are coming. It's been a rough economy. People aren't thinking they're tired. They're going back to work or going back in person. So just put something, even if it's, you know, a cheap reflective vest, that's what I spent the first like four years of my running career running in in the morning. And it's, it's totally worth, worth it. it. It means your safety. That's what I got. And it's worth it for sure. Awesome. So we got to cover a lot today, two different shoes yeah, well. and then winter and cold running ideas. So if you guys have stuff that you love, um, that, that we didn't mention, let us know. Or if there's things that you would like us to test for winter running, um, let us know and we can test them. Um, we'll, we'll be able to find a way to either buy them ourselves or, um, or if we have a connection with that company. That's been the nice thing about kind of the support we've been getting is it'll, it does allow us to stratify what we test from, you know, people who are supporting. They can be like, hey, you know, what can you, have you tested this? Can you test this? And if they want our opinion on it. So that's a cool part. Um, I think that's everything, Matt. Are we, are we missing yeah. anything? Not that I can think of. We've gone through a lot today. It's been yeah. a very productive session. Cool. So if you have any questions, again, reach out to us at docsrunning at gmail.com. Check out our website, check, or you can reach out to us, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc. But, um, oh, I did want to give a little kind of peek into the future. Like I said, we're going to be starting to talk about kind of our picks of the year for different shoe categories, which is just fun. That's fun stuff. And talk about what's impressed us this year. We'll talk about the stability trends we've seen in 2021. And then um, we are going to be having some interviews with 
um, insiders within the running industry who both have been part of innovation and are developing the new insoles that we're going to talk to them about. And then we're also going to talk to somebody about the supply chain issues that we've been seeing and just how that's impacting a ton of different companies. So hopefully that's insightful and helps us as consumers understand a little bit better what's going on with these companies and what they're going through. So again, reach out to us and thank you guys for with us.